Um, it's so wonderful to have you here. I've got a few things for you. Let's help people ground you, ground us in who you are and what you're about. Um, so I was presume these people are your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you just give us a quick snap profile of your family yeah. and who they are? Yeah, can I ask them to stand up? <laughs> if they don't mind. Uh, yeah. So that's Christopher Makuti, the man I'm married to. Been married to him for the last 16 years, October this year. And then we have three kids. Um, this Tehila, put up your hand. That's Tehila. She's 14, and uh, this Tana. Uh, she's 13 this week, actually. And then we have Ethan, who is 11. So that's my family. Yeah. I love them hips. <laughs> and so Hila, is, who's been taught by Anthony Moon? M Mr. Moon, was that you? Okay. So, you know, you're a product of his teaching, aren't you? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Oh, okay, as well. And, um, and now, and, and another interesting thing you may want to talk to Emma about. Um, we'll talk about other things, but she homeschools the three of them now. So, um, in, in amongst all the other hats, um, she's their teacher and principal, and, and you know, she, she gets and, uh, and so, yeah, that's another interesting part of their journey that I'm sure she'd be happy to talk to you about as well. So, um, you're from Kenya originally. Um, so, what's the, what's the abridged version of why you're in Australia? So, how, how long ago did you move? Uh, so, this is our fifth year. In your, so, five years ago, you're in Kenya, you moved to Australia. What's the abridged version of, of why you're here? What, how did it come? Well, I could, in a short version of it, I'll just say we are here because God asked us to come here. We are really here because he asked us to come here. And he spoke to me when I was 19. Uh, it's in my journal. Uh, the Lord spoke to me and said that one day I'll send you to Australia and spoke to my husband as much as I didn't even know him. We were not even dating and gave him a desire for this nation and we got married, and the story is really long, but in a short version of it, we are here because 19 years later, uh, God actually allowed my family and myself to be here with our three children. Uh, showed up at the airport with nine suitcases, no job, nothing, uh, but we had a friend who was going to stay, our uh, hostess, uh, as we figured all things out, uh, did away with our life back in Kenya. Um, I was working, Chris was working, he's an architect, and had his own farm, and just, yeah, we just came. Uh, at the time, probably when we thought maybe we shouldn't go because we were pretty much established. And who wants to move in their late 30s, going to 40s, uh, to a different nation and start life all over again? But because God said so, we came. And he's been so good and so faithful. And, and all these things, you can corner them after the service, chat a bit more, ask them more questions. Um, so, just a couple of your hats. So, you oversee um, Greater West Women through Greater West for Christ. So, um, just describe a little your heart for that ministry. Like, what's that about for you? Yeah. I think for a long time, uh, my background actually is in women, human rights and development actually. And God has given me a passion. So, for 15 years, I worked in the area of women um, in, a, in different capacities. And uh, the burden that one of the burdens that God has really given me is a burden for women. Uh, and He's given me uh, pretty much in terms of a vision uh, where He constantly reminds me that the women are His giant. And He keeps saying, Awaken my sleeping giant. I want my sleeping giant to rise up. Uh, and I just, and I remember coming to Australia and reading how one of the research, and I can't remember who had done this research. And it had said that 65% of the Christians in Australia had come to faith through their mothers. Uh, and I just know that women have such a significant place to play in the kingdom of God uh, and in terms of just using their gifts uh, uh, to, to serve in the kingdom. And, and the other thing is um, you, you also um, oversee the COACH program for, for the Greater West for Christ. And COACH is something we've started to step into and we've got uh, Adam and Michelle and John Window who've done the training. Um, and we're hoping through the USH to use this program to connect people. Um, just describe your heart for that ministry as well, um, because that's something we're trying to learn about and get involved in. You're someone who has a lot to do with it. Uh, just what, if you could describe the heart and the passion you have for that, and what is that about for you? Yeah, and I'll probably share about Coach a bit later after I share. Um, it's all about discipleship. It's all about discipleship. The Coach program is about you and I journey together with people who are doing it tough. And um, the heart I have for it is because I believe 
I totally believe that all of us are equipped and are gifted in the kingdom of God, and not just to serve within the four walls of the church, but to actually reach out to our communities. I think I was reading statistics again the other day about Australia, and they were saying, I think one out of every three Australian is lonely, doesn't have a friend, not lonely, they don't have a friend. And I, and I keep thinking, we are the church, and there are people out there who are just looking for friends. And all we need to is just step out and be friends and make disciples for Jesus and for the kingdom because we give our lives to the Lord and we give back our lives to him to serve him and to actually welcome back the communities into... So many people would love to be here this morning. This is so good. You know, you are so blessed. You are happy people. I can sense freedom and the love of God in this church. But I know there are hundreds of more that would love to be here this morning. But I think we need to step out and, you know, reach out to them. And, and while many people in our community do this in different ways, the Coach is a program. It's just a pathway that if, you, if you're looking for a way to do that, and so we're hoping that, um, yeah, through the Ush, when, we, when Kathy comes across a family doing it tough, if we have coaches that are trained ready to go, um, that she can find a way to link them and go on a journey together. So um, if, you, if you want to know more about that, if you thought about doing the training last time, Emma's also available. Lots of reasons you can talk to Emma after the service. You guys may not be leaving for a while. We'll just corner you in. Um, and uh, just, it is Mother's Day. It is actually coincidence I, it, that it's Mother's Day when Emma's speaking with us. That's just the way it's panned out. But since it is Mother's Day, I thought I'd ask you a question about that. Um, and I wanted to ask you, how does your faith influence the way you mother your kids? Wow, I think it influences everything. Uh, because I think the first thing for me, my children, are the first immediate disciples that God has given me. Like, it is my Jerusalem. They are my Jerusalem, Judea and all, you know, uh, that's where you start. And so for me, it's about decisions. It's about what am I, because I just want, and I keep telling them, I don't care sometimes whether you make it to heaven with one leg. <laughs> but I think I want them to get to know Christ and to actually understand that without him, they are nothing. And so even in terms for, if for us, when we decided to homeschool our children, it was just out of sheer obedience when God said, I want you to disciple your children. I want you to raise them up because that's actually the command that Abraham said. You know, God said that he would bless Abraham because he would pass on the things that he was teaching him to his children. So that's the first place. It's the children. So, and God has blessed me with them. They are a gift. I love them. And I just need to pour my heart out to them and pray for them and really, really pray for them. Yeah. That's wonderful, Emma. Well, we're thankful you're here to share with us this morning. I'm just going to pray over what you'll share with us, and then um, I'll hand the microphone to you. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, Emma and her family being with us this morning. Uh, we, we, we ask that you would just fill her with your truth, and that we might be blessed this morning through what she has to share. And we ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. First and foremost, just want to really thank you, Nate, and and she's uh, gone Esther for inviting me here uh, to this church. I haven't been to Saint Clair before, but I've been to the Ush. Uh, I work with the Greater West for Christ, and and I just want to really first and foremost also say that you, just as I'm coming here, and I can sense the love of God in this place. I can sense such freedom uh, and the move of God here. Um, I often go to different places, and there are places where you go in, and you just know it's a fertile ground. And I believe that this morning, as I share what God has placed in my heart, I do sense that this place is such a fertile ground. Uh, you plow and you seek God and you're such a beautiful church. And yeah, so thank you, Nate, for all the work that you've done here with Esther. You poured. I've worked with Esther at Greater West for Christ. I miss her. <laughs> she knows I do. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, just being in that space, it can be a big, a uh, lot of men. So it's just good to have Esther there. But yeah, all good. So this morning, let me pray first. Father, I just want to thank you for just giving us the opportunity to gather as your church, Lord, and just to hear from you, Lord. And as I always say, Lord Jesus Christ, I pray this morning that there'll be none of me but all of you, Lord, and that the word that you have for these beautiful people, that God, you would communicate it, Lord, to them. But most of all, that it will come out, Lord, with love 
and, and grace, uh, because we know that our hearts are established by grace. And, and Lord, I pray, Lord, that even as I share, that they would know that they are really deeply loved by you and that you really care about them, Lord, and that, you know, you're so tender and you want to express your kindness towards them this morning. I thank you for the beautiful church that they are, Lord. I thank you for the leadership of this church, God. And, yeah, Lord, even in this season of so many transitions, Father, I ask, God, that you would guide them, you know, nurture them, Father, because you're a good God. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I was thinking about sharing this morning, uh, I actually hadn't... Um, let me just get this out, because I might move a bit. I, I hadn't actually thought about it being a Mother's Day, uh, and I was seeking, and, and, and Nate asked me, uh, just share what the Lord has really put in your heart. And one of the things that I've been processing with God through this year, you know, is just how we are going to live in our current environment, and, you know, with such a changing environment each and every day. And the Lord really put a word in my heart, and... If, I, if you want the title to the sermon, I'll say, Keeping a Steadfast Walk with the Lord. Are we living in the end times? Are we? Are we in the beginning, in the middle, or at the very end? I don't know. These are some of the things that most of us have been struggling with, and we are questioning ourselves, and we are on our phones, and we are reading things. There are a lot of theories, some are conspiracy theories, some are true, some we read in the Bible. Is a vaccine the mark of the beast? You know, where is the vaccine? You know, all the things that we've been dealing with and all the stories that we've been hearing about COVID, there is so much information out there in this time and age, so much information. Are we in the new world order? People want to know, where is the Antichrist coming? Has he come? Is he here? Is he in my backyard? Where is he? Is he coming? Is he a person? Is he a system? Is he, a, I don't know, we are all grappling with these things. Are we the generation that will usher in the return of Christ? Are we that generation? Will we see his return? Is it me? Is it my children? Is it my great-grandchildren? We are asking ourselves all these questions. What else is out there? What is coming? No, we didn't see COVID coming. So what else is coming, guys? What else is coming? Who else is planning something to shake this world, to shake us up? These are the things that we are constantly living with. And it doesn't help that we are constantly looking for them and hearing them, even when we don't want to hear them. Uh, what will World War III look like? Is there one? World War. And where is God when all this is happening? How should the church in seasons like this be? Should we invest more in online services? Who is the church now? What is the church like? Should I be part of this church? Should I be part of that church? Which church is on the move? Who looks like they're on the move? Who looks like they've got it? And who doesn't look like they... I mean, all these things we are asking ourselves, not to mention that we have seen so many prophets coming out now. People seeing things all the time. People are so, they have such an appetite to be on Facebook and say things. Whether they are right, whether they are wrong, it's us to design as God's children. So much that is happening, so much seduction, so much seduction even in the church. How should we keep our money? Should we withdraw our monies in the bank? I've had people tell me, get your money out of the bank. You know, buy land somewhere, you know, in the outskirts somewhere. You know, grow your own food. Enjoy ancient living. You know, we are going to be... Con I mean, it's just crazy. My friends, these are the questions you and I and the world is asking. We are grappling with right now because we have a shift in the season. I remember when we COVID came and I was asking God about COVID and what's going on. One thing I knew is that COVID would mark a landmark. It was like a landmark. We will, it's almost like how we talk about BC and AC, you know, uh, the before Christ and after. It's almost like this landmark that we have. We talk about the years before COVID, and now we're talking about the years after COVID. And I think one of the seasons that we are right now is what I would probably talk about in Matthew 24, where Jesus talks about a season of kingdom and nations rising up against nation. The war we are in right now. It's not just a war between you and I. It's a very high-level, systemic war. It's about nations. It's about kingdoms. We want hope. Everybody wants hope. We want hope. But the other reality is that we also want control. We want hope, but we also want control, which we've never had since birth. It's 
had to live in this life and actually have control. And yet, there has also never been a generation that is so puffed up with knowledge but lacks revelation. We have so much knowledge, so, so much. I can almost assure you that if people read the Bible the way they researched about COVID, there's so much knowledge out there. You Google anything you want, you'll get it. But there's no revelation. And with increased levels of knowledge, we increase our levels of anxiety. We know too much, and it's not even helping us. It's actually placing more and more anxiety on us, including us as a church, including us as a children of God. And because of all this spiritual anxiety, we are all really, really struggling somehow in our own quietness, in our own little spaces. So how do we keep a steadfast walk with God? I often say that spiritual anxiety is just imagination that is filled with fear. Think about every time, I included, I included by the way. Think about any time you've ever been anxious. Think about it. It's you imagine something, you imagine something, you imagine a situation, and then fear in that situation. Matthew, in Matthew 16, verse 1, Jesus challenged the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they were demanding a sign from him so that they can believe in him. And then he told them, you know how to interpret the signs in the sky. We can actually look at the sky and so say, this is going to be a really good day. But Jesus told them, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. And I just want to encourage us today and probably also bring to our attention that the only thing that Jesus wants highly about this time, this season that we are living in, if you read Luke 21 and Matthew 24, um, the end times, if you read that, the only thing that Jesus really highly encourages us and um, reminds us of is deception. He says, watch out. It's not about the chaos, it's not about COVID, it's not about mountains, and it's not about, uh, you know, the volcanics and all those the dramas that are happening. That's not, Jesus said, when these things happen, because they will happen, in between that storm, the storm of the world today, is deception. He said, watch out that you're not de deceived, because the end time game is not about the drama. It's about deception. It's about falling away from the grace of God and latching on to fear at the cost of our faith. And that's why Jesus said, when I return, when I return, because he will return, will I find faith? When I return, will I find faith? What will your faith look like? Because your faith is not about what's on the outside. It's about what's on the inside of us. That is our faith. It's not what the world, the world is the way it is. It's coming to an end, it's chaotic, we know. There are so many things that are going to continue happening. And for me, actually, I keep thinking, someone asked me, how, how do these times look like? And I say, you know, I think we're in a season where God is beginning to make black, black, and white, white. I think we're in a season where God is vomiting lukewarmness out of, out of Christians and out of the church. You're either black or you're either white. You can't be gray. I think that's a season we are living in, and it's not really dark. I actually don't think we are going. We are going through a dark season. We are going through a very good season, where God is going to manifest Himself in such a great way. But my friends, in a world where every ground has the potential to become sinking sand, every single ground. Think of any ground. If your ground is a bank, if your ground is the government, if your if wherever you put your security in right now, wherever that looks like has the potential to become a sinking sand. In a, just like in 24 hours economy, everything you know and you knew could just simply change. But we must passionately cultivate a steadfast walk with the Lord. That is the only thing that is really going to help us to remain. And I remember sometimes this, uh, this year, I was thinking God about, but then that was just an introduction, but don't worry, I'll, I'll I'll get to where I'm getting, and I won't. I won't be too long. Sometimes this early this year, I was thinking God about the year. What is ahead? 
And, and, and he was, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me uh, in one of the most tremendous ways. He said, Emma, I knew you before you were born. I want us to turn to Psalms 139, please. I knew you before you were born. I knew you before you were born. Psalms 139 in verse 16. I'm, I'm going to be reading from the NLT version. Sorry, I should have put it. Yeah. And this is what it says, verse 16. And we like this part of the Bible because it talks about how God fearfully has made us. But verse 16 says, you saw me. You saw me. God saw you and I before we were born. And then he says, every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God saw you and I. Every moment, it says every moment and every day of our lives. And I know the Psalms, when we read the Psalms, they are really prophetic because David was talking about the Messiah. The Messiah. And he was talking about, you know, Jesus talks about the things that are written concerning him in the prophets uh, and, and in the Psalms. But he actually saw us. He saw every moment and every day of our life. And that's what he also tells Jeremiah. I knew you. I just want to encourage you this morning as you sit here. You were known way before time. You were known way before time. So, because we were known before time, we cannot allow the things that happen within time to dictate how we live. Because we were known before time. He said, I knew you before I formed you in my mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. He told that to Jeremiah. What an incredible thought to know that we are fully known. We are fully known. Before we did our personality tests, you know, people, and I've done them. I've been, I've been putting all those things, categories, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that, I'm that. Before we do all the Enneagrams to try and figure out who we really are. And I've done them, by the way. But I know that is not the voice of victory in my life. The voice of victory in my life is not my personality test. The voice of victory is not my Enneagram. It doesn't fully describe me. God knew me. You can't just come up with a test and decide, I know Emma, I can put her in this category uh, so that you can, you can really try to understand me. So you put me in this category, and it's good, it helps, but that's not the voice of victory. God fully known us. I say God fully knew us before ever, and I, I like to call them civilians' ways of understanding ourselves because we are children of God. We are not of this world. And we can't apply the standards of this world in terms of understanding ourselves. So sometimes, yes, we turn to civilian methods. And unless God has really spoken to that person about some of these things. But God knew us. And I felt like God was reminding me when I read that, not to stress about the future. But God gave me three things as I was thinking and, and just pouring my heart to him. And these, these, these three things I'm going to talk about, by the way, they are not things you do not know. But I felt the Spirit of God asked me to come and share with St. Clair Church today. I do not know why, I don't know they are for who, but I, I believe even as I share them, I'm reminded of them by myself. And God said, Emma, don't stress. However, the Spirit of God dropped three things in my, word, in my heart. He said, prayer, obedience, and repentance. Prayer, repentance, and obedience. And I, I, and I said, Lord, what are these for? And he said, these are my, these are my expectations for you from me. Yes, there are things that are written in your book. Yes, there are things that I planned for you. Yes, there are things, there are paths and places, there are works that were prepared in advance for you to do. But I have an expectation, Emma. Pray, repent, and obedience. And he said, every moment you encounter God, every single moment when you encounter God, think about your life, whether you encounter him through prayer, whether you encounter him through a teaching like today, whether you encounter him in your own quiet time. The other day someone was saying, I'm not sure why we should call them quiet times. Some of us have really dramatic times, they're not really quiet. But 
whether you encounter him that way, these three things will come out. Number one, prayer, because it means you have to seek the counsel of God. Prayer, seeking the counsel of God is so important. And the word that the Lord put me for prayer was dialogue. Dialogue, 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 dialogue. He said, dialogue with me. Talk with me. Seek my counsel. Repent. It means alignment. That every time we realize that our ways are not in alignment with God's ways, we have to change our way and align to his life and to his way of righteousness. So we dialogue and then we align ourselves. And the third thing was obedience, meaning that we have to believe God and trust him and make steps of faith. Because obedience is what brings movement in our lives. If we can't obey, then it's hard for us to move. As it is in the natural, it is in the spiritual. For me to have left my nation, Kenya, and to come here, it took obedience. But I have to make a step of faith and I have to move. So three things, prayer. God is asking us today at St. Clair Church, pray. In this season, pray. Pray, pray. In this season, repent, repent, repent. In this season, obey. We don't, uh, number one, we don't have to pray. We get to pray. It's such a privilege to pray. It is such a great privilege. We must have the counsel of God above any voice. Any voice. The counsel of God is so important because his voice over my life is the voice of victory. It's what God says the most. It's what God says about my life that matters the most. We have really often, and sometimes I have as well, substitute, substituted the voice of God in my life for so many other things. And just to ask, if, we had a bro if you had a broken washing machine and you needed to repair it, whose voice would you consider to be the most accurate? Is it your friend's voice? Is it the trade who might come in and try to fix it up? Or is it the manufacturer? If the manufacturer came and said, this is a problem with this machine, you would trust them because they created that thing. They made it. So we must be a people that really seek God's counsel in prayer. Seeking his counsel over everything. I'm not saying that we don't see doctors. We see them, but even before we see doctors, we ask God about it. I come from a nation that is Africa. I come from Africa where we come from. Probably our medical is not as great as Australia. And I think maybe for me what it taught me growing up, because you can't just rush and you have, we don't have the privilege of just rushing to the next hospital, is that even when we are sick, the first thing we we'll do is pray. Because you, you, you have no, it's not guaranteed. Medical is not guaranteed. So the first thing we think is pray. When you have a situation, you pray first. We've been going through the Bible uh, with my family, and one of the stories I find very interesting is the story of Joshua. Joshua, a great man, God actually set him out to go and conquer the promised land. And he moves on and conquers Jericho. He conquers Ai or I. And then when he gets to a point where he feels like, oh, I can do this, he doesn't consult the Lord. And then at another time he comes and is deceived by the Gibeonites. God redeems all these things. But I've actually learned that every decision in our life, no matter how you think it looks stupid, I want to bear us as Christians and the children of God, pray about it. No matter how it looks stupid, even who to go see, there's a time in my life where I actually needed help and healing and deliverance. And I asked God, what do I do? And the Lord sent me to somebody and I said, initially I actually wanted the Lord to deal with me personally. Like, God, you can do this. He said, no, I want to send you someone. And I said, why do you want to send me somebody? Because I wanted to learn the power of agreement. And I wanted to learn that I have many children that you can walk alongside with. They can actually help you. The power of us being believers together. So prayer is really dialogue. And that's what one of the things that we need in this season. More than getting into our phones and Googling things is to pray. When the first time COVID hit the nation, I didn't even Google. 
I started praying. I said, God, what's this? I want to hear your mind first before I can actually know what all this that is happening. And it's very, very important because God will give us solutions to our lives that you, they're just insanely great. Like God really loves us. He will give us solutions in our lives that are just so great. Something that has bothered you for three years, four years, ten years, God can solve it in a week. Because he is our creator. It will always work. We need to pray. We need to pray his will of our lives. The Bible says that we seek his kingdom, his will being done in our lives as it is in heaven. His eternal purposes are awesome. And the Holy Spirit, he is there to help us in our weaknesses. We do not know what God wants us to pray for, Romans 8. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows our hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. And the Spirit pleads for us as believers in harmony with God's will. God has a will over my life. And my greatest desire and one of the things I constantly go before God and say, Lord, I'm asking, let there be no two wills. Let there be one your will. I want my will to completely become intertwined with his so that the things that push me and the things that drive me in, in my life are God's desires and not my will. I don't want to continuously tag with God because I know he's a good father and I want the good in his life and I want the goodness in his life. Prayer, I don't know why, I put here like prayer like the walkie-talkie, you know. Communication like that keeps us connected with the unseen realm with your unseen father who is in heaven. Imagine you're in a tough terrain and the only way to navigate is through constant communication with the base camp through a satellite phone. This is how I look at my life. I'm in a tough terrain. This is called the world. We don't belong to this world. It's a tough terrain. It's so hard to navigate. The last thing I don't have the luxury of is throwing away my satellite phone. I cannot, as soon as I throw that away, I can't communicate with the base camp. I'm done, I'm out, kaput, off. That is what prayer is like. We can't toss it off. We can't switch off the phone and we can't use it as and when we need to. That's why Paul says, pray without ceasing. That's how we keep in touch with heaven. In fact, one of the ways I know that I'm busy is not because of what's on my diary. It's because I realize I have no opportunities throughout the day to keep my constant communication with God. That means I'm moving from this to this, this to this. And God was my thought in the morning and then my last thought in the evening. Number two, repentance. Repentance, aligning ourselves with God. A steadfast walk with God needs alignment. It needs prayer if we are going to be steadfast in this, in this season and where the world is taking us, but we need to repent. Repent means that every time we realize that our ways are not aligned with the kingdom ways, every time our ways are not aligned with God's ways and his ways of righteousness, then we need to align ourselves. If you're walking here and God is saying, no, please move here. That is actually repentance. Jesus introduced his preaching after 40 days of prayer and fasting. And he kept saying, if you read in the gospels, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He was saying, change how you think, change how you live, change your words, change your choices. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Aligning our ways to God's ways of righteousness. It has to be a daily, 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 daily effort. The Bible says in, in, in James that anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself he goes away immediately forgetting what he looks like and this is sort of the image that god gave me when i was thinking about looking at the mirror the holy spirit he is so awesome he is awesome the person of the spirit awesome because what he does is that he constantly brings us to places where we can have godly sorrow he leads us to the mirror the mirror of god's word and then he's right there standing next to you with his word, written word, and the things that he's convicting you of. He says, Emma, look at yourself. Look at the word. This is the mirror. Look at yourself. And he's so kind. So we don't feel guilty. I'm not talking about condemnation. 
I'm just talking about when you have that godly sorrow. And then we get to the mirror, and he's standing there with us. We're looking at it because imagine the words of God is a mirror. And you go like, huh. We walk away. The next time he brings you back to the same mirror, he says, hmm. And it could just be very small such of things in our lives that we need to constantly align ourselves with God's word because he wants real, he loves us. Actually, the Bible says in Hebrews that God disciplines us so that we can share in his holiness. The reason he wants you and I to repent is so that we can share in his holiness. So maybe the question that you and I need to ask, what in our life right now is not matching up? What has the Holy Spirit continued to bring to your attention? I can tell you the stuff that God is working in my life. I have not reached the state of um, perfect, great, and mature. Sometimes he says things, I'm like, where have I been? Like, what did you just show me? Like this? Carrying sometimes, and I remember at some time in my life, you know, just having that judgmental attitude that sometimes we have people, and I read a verse that, you know, mercy triumphs over judgment. And I'm reading that verse, mercy triumphs over judgment. And the Spirit of God is like, mm-hmm. So think about your, how you've been living. And I have to actually go back and say, Lord, I forgive me. I have been so. I'm, I was looking at situations in my life, and I said, Lord, have mercy on me. And that's how we read God's word. In repentance. And it's because when we ignore it, when we ignore repentance, constant co communication with God and walking in alignment with his, his, his righteousness, we, we walk in rebellion. That is rebellion. Going to the mirror, led there by the Spirit of God, and then you say, and you walk away. That's rebellion. That is sin. Sin, I will say this, not that I like to really use Greek and Hebrew word, but when you use the word sin, when you study it in the he Greek and the Hebrew word of it, it is hamatia, and in Hebrew it means hata, which both means to miss the mark. To sin is to miss the mark. It's to, it's to miss the mark of righteousness. That is what sin is about, missing the mark. So I always like to, to, to remind us that Sin in a believer's life is not doing the wrong thing. For you and I, sinning is not when we do the wrong thing. We sin when we don't do the right thing. We sin when we miss the mark of righteousness. And this word is full of God's righteousness. We sin when we don't walk in, when we, don't, we, when we miss the mark of righteousness. And that's why God told Cain, um, if you go back to Genesis, God told Cain, do the right thing. He told him, do the right thing. He said, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? If you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and desires to have you. So even for God, it's not that Cain didn't know what God would not have judged him the way he did if he did not know the right thing to do. He says, do the right thing, Cain. You know what the right thing to do. But if you don't do it, sin is crouching at your door. So many times in our lives, we need to look at God's word. And as we are walking with the spirit, when he's saying, Emma, do the right thing. Emma, be patient. Emma, be this. Emma, be this. Do the right things. We need to walk in that repentance. And we need to realize the areas in our lives, whether they are actions, whether they are words that we use, or choices that are not aligned to God's word. One of my areas of repentance currently, and it's been a season of repentance actually for me, is because every time I read God's word, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. I like praying for all the other things. I really, it just sounds so great. Because I want God to know all my cares and all my needs. And then I read the word of God. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things. I'm like, I'm, I'm really still working on that. I still feel like God will, I don't feel like God will take care of the other things if I don't tell him. But his word says, you seek the kingdom, I'll take care of that. I have been in that struggle for a while. It's something that I'm working on with God and the Spirit of, and, and the Holy Spirit. So I'm not talking about things that are way removed from myself. It's something that I'm working. 
I'm working on. And I continue to work on by the grace of God. I want to get to a place where I don't carry the cares. I want to think about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, and let the Lord of the kingdom take care of my cares. It's a journey that I am on. And the final thing that the Lord brought to my heart, as I've said, it's prayer, it's alignment, which is really repentance. And the final thing is obedience. Because I think many of us get stuck when we refuse to move with the last instruction God gave us. What is the last instruction that God gave you? Whether it was through his word or whether it was a revealed obedience. The reason we are stuck in obedience is because we don't trust God. I have actually realized, even in my own life, the reason I struggle with trusting God is because the reason I struggle with obedience is because we don't trust God. And we have just to be honest. And we need to go to God with all our issues. By the way, the other day, I was having a, a, a morning, morning, my, my morning devotion, and I woke up and I was really feeling heavy in my heart. And I don't like pretending. I don't go before God with any form of pretense. It has no value. How do you pretend before someone who fully knows you? I don't pretend. So I went before God and I was like, God, I'm really feeling awful. I don't know what's this thing in my heart. I just feel awful. And God started talking to me about what exactly that was. Because what's the point of having a, a, a quiet morning and then you're walking with God, but you're not pouring out how you feel before God? And he actually showed me what the issue was. And it went back all the way to a root of bitterness. I said, what? And then he showed me that root of bitterness. I repented. I asked him, forgive me. I, I, I said, I don't, I don't even know when I caught this. I don't know when I caught, I caught this. You know, we catch things all the time and we sometimes we don't even know where they came from. And I can tell you, brothers and sisters, as soon as I was done with that, they were like, oh, okay, now we can start. And that's how we need to walk with God. Let's not even go before him pretending. When, you, when you're struggling to trust God, go before him and ask him. He's a very, very good father. I'm actually really struggling to trust you right now. Because part of the reason why we don't trust God is because in our hearts of hearts, we struggle to believe that God is really good. I have struggled for a long time to believe that God is really good. We read it, we sing about it, but how we have ex are the experiences of our lives, what is in our subconscious mind here, tells us sometimes, ah, check yourself, take care of this. Can you fully, fully trust God? I'm actually learning that there's a lot in my subconscious mind that needs to be redeemed because the subconscious mind has all my experience. And it tends to come out and it overrides my conscious mind. So that when I read God's word and I can, he says he is good and he does good, my subconscious mind is saying, ah, when I was growing up as a child, eh, he didn't seem so good. So all these things override. So we need to obey. We need to trust God. God has, I always say God has a love language. It's called trust. You know the five languages of love? I think God has one. He hasn't said this to me, but I'm just figuring out from scripture. It's called trust. Because loving God means keeping his commandments. For every child of God defeats, sorry, this is John, First John 5, 3 to 4. Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world Every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. So when God asks us to walk in obedience, he knows we can do it and we are already equipped to obey if only we can trust him. And as I said, we have both revealed obedience and obedience to God's word. Revealed is when he speaks to us concerning matters that are not necessarily in the Bible. Like, there's nothing written in the Bible, Emma, go to Australia with your family. 
but he reveals those things, but neither do they contradict his word. But he also reveals himself through his word. Obedience is not passive. Obedience is active. Obedience is very, very active. Jesus obeyed the Father. He obeyed the Father even when it cost him because obedience can be costly. Jesus obeyed the Father. He chose to die for us. The Bible says in Philippians 2, 2, 2, 2 verse 8, He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. It takes humility to obey. To say that, God, you're right. I choose your way. God, you're right. I choose your way. And I will, I will end by saying that obedience is not saying you will do it. It is actually doing it. Jesus, in the parable of the two sons, in John 21, he gave a parable and he said, what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I will not go. But he later changed his mind and went anyway. But the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? He replied, the first. Because obedience is not saying, Lord, I will do it. Obedience is about you and I actually doing it. So even this morning, there's an emphasis that I feel like God is really placing before us. What are some of the things that God has actually been speaking to you about? I feel like strongly there are things that God has been speaking to St. Clair Church about. Whether it's for this community or whether it is at a very personal level. He gave you an instruction. Talk to that person. Speak to that person. Call that person, send a text to this person. Very simple things that God has asked us to do. So this morning, three things. Prayer, which is dialogue. Repentance, which is alignment. And then we have obedience, which is actually movement. I believe that we are, if we still, if I don't know, I think for me and I don't know for you, I know that if I stick to these three things in my life, the word can throw all the things it wants to throw. But for me, I have found the, the secret and the security of keeping my steadfast walk with God. Do I know how next year will be? No. Do I know how December will be? No. I do not know anything. God knows. Someone challenged me some time back. So many of us are worried about tomorrow. The only worry you should have to, about tomorrow is this. Will Jesus be in your tomorrow? Will you have kept the faith? Will Jesus be in your tomorrow? If he's going to be in your tomorrow, that's all we need. Because we are not of this world. Though we are of it. So we are not of this world, even though we are in it. So going back to the beginning, how would your life and mind be different if we were people of prayer, repentance, and obedience? How would have the last three years facing COVID look like for you if you and I prayed more, if we repented, and if we obeyed the Lord? How would that have looked? How would we have been internally? And how would our response be? in this constantly changing world. Father, I just want to thank you so much this morning. I thank you because you're a good father. And we are your children, your beloved children. You say, Lord, that you rejoice over us with singing, that you're so glad, you're so thankful that you actually sing over us. That's how good you are. And I know, Lord, that you want us to have an intimate relationship with you. I know, Lord, that you have placed us here to be the light of this world, Lord. And I ask, God, that you forgive us, Lord, when we get caught up with civilian affairs, with civilian news that dictate how we live. 
often sometimes dictate how we live, Lord. When we look to the world for answers, Lord, forgive us when we have looked to the world for answers, yet we are supposed to be the answers to this world. Forgive us, Lord. Father, I really do ask, God, that you would give us wisdom. I thank you for St. Clair Church, Lord. I thank you for the work that you're doing here, Lord. I thank you for the great plans that you have for this place, Lord. I thank you for the great plans that you have for this community, Lord. I pray, Father, that this church will continue to shine your light as they walk before you with humility, trusting you, as they pray, as they align themselves with you, Lord, and as they move forward, because there are things you're going to begin to tell them, Lord. Father, I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I actually do sense in my spirit that as a church, there are things that God is going to begin to talk to you about as a church. Some will look very troubling. They will look very unusual. They might mean getting out of a comfort zone, and I don't know what that sounds like or looks like. Just obey him. Just obey him. Just obey him as a church. Because you're a light in this community. Just obey the Lord. He wants to use you. He wants to grow you. And he wants to extend the reign and the rule of the kingdom of God in St. Clair through you. So just step out. You don't have to figure it out. Just step out as a church. Just do it. He's with you. So I thank you, Lord, for the days that are ahead. Because, Lord, this church will be laughing, like the Proverbs in 31. That woman, Lord, her laughs at the days ahead. Father, I thank you because this church will be laughing at the days ahead because of the things that you're going to begin to reveal to them. We bless you, Lord, and we are so thankful that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Emma. And if you'd like to um, talk to Emma a bit more afterwards, um, we have a wonderful afternoon tea that a lot of people have contributed to. Um, yeah, we, we, we might, we'll stop there. Um, I think, you know, the, the, 